Chapter Eight of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Eight: Witchcraft. Miss Eulie was doomed to disappointment, for Gregory came down late to breakfast the following morning with not a trace of his softened feelings. Indeed, because of pride or for some reason, he chose to seem the very reverse of all she had hoped the winter of his unbelief could not pass away so easily even in january there are days of sudden relenting when the frost's icy grasp upon nature seems to relax days that rightfully belong to spring drop down upon us with birds that have come before their time but such days may end in a northeast snowstorm and the birds perish the simile appeared true of gregory as far as he took part in the table talk he was a cold finished man of the world and the gloom of the early morning rested on his face but annie noticed that he made an indifferent breakfast and did not appear well after he had retired to his room to write some letters as he said she remarked to her father when alone with him i suppose you remember mr gregory's manner when you spoke of mr hunting they evidently are acquainted and not on good terms what could have occurred between them some quarrel resulting from business perhaps said mr walton musingly i believe charles has been trying to restrain mr gregory in some of his fast ways annie continued emphatically and they have had hot words men have so little discretion in their zeal business men are not apt to interfere with each other's foibles unless they threaten their pockets her father replied it is more probable that gregory has borrowed money of hunting and been compelled to pay it against his will and yet i have no right to surmise anything of the kind but mr hunting is not a mere business man father he is bent on doing good wherever he can find opportunity i incline to my solution but it is clear that we must be silent in regard to him while mr gregory is with us for i never saw such bitter enmity expressed in any face it is well that charles is to be absent for some time and that we have no prospect of a visit from him while our guest is here oh dear i wish charles could come and make us a visit instead of this moody wayward stranger i can echo that wish heartily annie for in the sun i find little of my old friend his father but remember what you said last night it may be that he was sent to us in order that we should help him become what his father was i will do my best but i do not look forward to his society with much pleasure still if there should be any result as we hope for i should feel repaid a thousandfold gregory finished his letters and then paced restlessly up and down his room that this country girl should have so moved me he muttered what does it mean what is there about her that takes hold of my attention and awakens my interest i wish to go downstairs now and talk to her and have her read to me and am provoked with myself that i do yesterday at this time i wished to avoid her why should i wish to avoid her if she amuses me diverts my mind beguiles my pain or more dreary apathy why not let her exert her power to the utmost and make herself useful yes but she will try to do more than amuse well suppose she does one can coolly foil such efforts not so sure of that if i were dealing with a man i could but one must be worse than a clod to hear her sing and not feel i suppose i made a weak fool of myself before them all last night and they thought i was on the eve of conversion i half wish i were or on the eve of anything else any change from my present state would seem a relief but a man cannot go into these things like an impulsive girl even if he believes in them which is more than i do 
i seem to have fallen into a state of moral and physical imbecility in which i can only doubt suffer and chafe i won't avoid her i will study and analyze her character i doubt whether she is as good fresh and original as she seems such girls exist only in moral stories and i've met but few even there i will solve her mystery probably it is not a very deep one and after a day or two she will become an old story and life will resume its normal monotony and he at once descended the stairs to carry out his purpose the children were coming from the sitting-room where they had their school exclaiming oh auntie what shall we do this awful rainy day wait till i have given some directions to zibby and i will read you a fairy story and then you can go up into the garret until dinner-time may i listen to the fairy story also asked walter miss walton looked up with a smile and said you must be half desperate from your imprisonment to accept of such solace but if you can wait till i have kept my word to the children i will read something more to your taste i think i should like to hear how a fairy story sounds once again after all these years as shakespeare may sound to us some time in the future she replied smiling i can't believe we shall ever outgrow shakespeare he said i can believe it but i cannot understand how it is possible as yet i am only growing up to shakespeare you seem very ready to believe what you cannot understand and that is a woman's way i suppose you would like to add she answered smiling over her shoulder as she turned to the kitchen department you men have a general faith that there will be dinner at two o'clock though you understand very little how it comes to pass and if you are disappointed the best of your sex have not fortitude enough to wait patiently so i must delay no longer to propitiate the kitchen divinity there he said i have but crossed her steps in the hall and she has stirred me and set my nerves tingling like an october breeze she is a witch after a few minutes miss walton entered each of the children called for a story and both clamored for their favorites johnny said miss walton it is manly to yield to the least and weakest especially if she be a little woman the boy thought for a moment and then with an amusing assumption of dignity said you may read susie's story first auntie susie promised johnny that his story shall be read first next time which susie promptly did with a touch of the womanly grace which accompanies favors bestowed after the feminine will has triumphed now little miniature man and woman listen and their round eyes were ready for the world of wonders and this child of nature was at the same time showing gregory a world as new and strange a world that he had caught glimpses of when a boy but since had lost hopelessly she carried the children away into fairyland she suggested to him a life in which simplicity truth and genuine goodness might bring peace and hope to the heart well what do you think of the fairy story she asked after she had finished and the children had drawn sighs of intense relief at the happy denouement in which the ugly ogre was slain and the prince and princess were married i did not hear it he said that's complimentary but you appeared listening very closely you have heard of people reading a different meaning between the lines and i suppose one can listen to a different meaning and what could you find between the lines of this fairy tale she asked with interest it would be difficult for me to explain something too vague and indefinite for words i fear but if you will read me something else i will listen to the text itself come children scamper off to the garret said annie and remember you are nearer heaven up there so you must be very kind and gentle to each other you will fill those youngsters head with beautiful superstitions superstition and faith are not so very far apart though so unlike 
Yes, it is hard to tell where one leaves off and the other begins. Is it? Isn't it? I don't like to contradict you, sir. You have contradicted me, and I suppose it is manly to yield to a lady. Not in matters of principle and honest conviction. Alas, if one has not very much of either. It is a great misfortune, and I suppose I ought to add fault. I have no doubt it is a misfortune, Miss Walton, but you are not reading. Well, make your choice. I leave it entirely to you. You don't look very well today. I will select something light and cheerful from Dickens. Excuse me, please. I am in no mood for his deliberate purpose to make one laugh. Then there is Irving. His style flows like a meadow brook. No, he is too sentimental. Walter Scott, then, will form a happy medium. No, he wearies one with explanations in history. Some of Tennyson's dainty idyls will suit your fastidious taste. I couldn't abide his affected stilted language today. Shakespeare, then, you regard him as perfect. No, he makes me think, and I do not wish to. Well, here are newspapers, the latest magazine, and some new novels. Modern rubbish, a mushroom growth. They will soon kindle kitchen fires instead of thought. Then I must make an expedition to the library. What shall I bring? There is Mosheim's Ecclesiastical Ancient History. That has a solid, venerable sound. Or if you prefer poetry, I will get Gray's Elegy. That cannot be a literary mushroom, for he was twenty years writing it. But perhaps it is Tupper you would like. That would suit your mood exactly. Tupper's proverbial philosophy. You are growing satirical, Miss Walton. Why don't you assert plainly that I am as full of whims as a woman, would you like to say? Present company accepted. The fact is, I am two-thirds ill today, and the most faultless style and theme in our language would weary me. I am possessed by the evil spirits of ennui, unrest, and disgust at myself and all the world. Present company always accepted. Do you know any spell that can exorcise these demons? Yes, a very simple one. Will you put yourself absolutely in my power and obey? I am your slave. Miss Walton left the room and soon returned with a large afghan. You must take a horizontal position in order that my spell may work. Pshaw, you are prescribing an ordinary nap. I am glad to say the best things in this world are ordinary. But permit me to suggest that in view of your pledged word, you have nothing to do in this matter but to obey. Very well. And he threw himself on the sofa. The day is chilly, sir, and I must throw this afghan over you. And she did so with a little touch of delicacy which is so grateful when one is indisposed. Her manner both soothed and pleased him. He was more lonely than he realized, for it had been years since he had experienced woman's gentle care and ministry, and Annie Walton had a power possessed by few to put jangling nerves at rest. Suddenly he said, I wish I had a sister like you. My creed, you know, she replied, makes all mankind kindred. Nonsense, said Gregory irritably. Deliver me from your church sisters. Take care, she answered with a warning nod. I'm a church sister, so don't drive me away, for I am going to sing you to sleep. I'm half inclined to join your church that I may call you sister. You would be disciplined and excommunicated within a month. But hush, you must not talk. How would you treat me after I had been anathematized? If you were ill as you are today, I would make you sleep. Hush, not another word. I am going to sing. A luxurious sense of comfort stole over him, and he composed himself to listen and criticize, little imagining, though, that he would fall asleep. He saw through the window a lowering sky, with leaden clouds driven wildly across it. The wind moaned and sued around the angles of the house, and the rain beat against the glass. All without seemed emblematic of himself. 
but now he had a brief but blessed sense of shelter from both the storm and himself the fire blazed cheerily on the hearth the afghan seemed to envelop him like a genial atmosphere had miss walton bewitched it by her touch and now she had found something to suit her or rather him and his singing what an unusual voice she has he thought truly the spirit of david's harp that could banish the demon from saul dwells in it i wonder if she is as good and real as she seems or whether under the stress of temptation or the poison of flattery she would not show herself a true daughter of eve i must find out for it is about the only remaining question that interests me if she is like the rest of us if she is a female hunting then good-bye to all hope i shall not live to find anybody or anything to trust if she is what she seems it's barely possible that she might help me out of this horrible slow of despond if she would take the trouble i wish that she were my sister or that my sister had lived and had been just like her End of chapter eight